Hi everybody, I'm Christina, founder of Liberate. This is our mascots, Miss Piggy and Mr. Chew. Liberate is like the Willy Wonka chocolate factory for spirituality. You might wonder what the heck that is. And so basically Liberate is a place of sheer magic activating and reigniting that magic into you so that you can live your fullest potential and most fulfilled life. When you walk through the door, you're gonna see magic everywhere you look. You look down and you see a crystal floor made with over 10,000 pounds of crystals. You say that's a lot, but I know I laid them and had to do numerous trips to the crystal store to buy more and more crystals. There's all of these beautiful, magical gemstones that are activating and creating healing from the beneath and the surface. You see the tree of life when you first walk in. You go upstairs and every room has its custom sacred geometry mural in it. And then you notice that each of the rooms are labeled with different uh, names of deities or archangels from different traditions and, and religions from all over the world. This is Liberate. Liberate is a space of union. Liberate is a space of creativity. Liberate is a space of expansion. And we're here to help heal you, transform, and help you rediscover yourself. Hi, this is Christina Dam, and this is Liberate the Podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and liberate your consciousness. Hi, welcome to another episode of Liberate the Podcast. Today, we're going to hear from Shaman Rami and about his spiritual journey and shamanism and kind of giving you both of those aspects so to hear about what shamanism is, but through the course of understanding his journey to the path of becoming a shaman. So welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. And so I, I want to start out like hearing a little bit about yourself, but also like, you know, when people throw around the word shaman, you know, right. there's so many different types of images or belief systems that come up and, you know, and they're in for a good reason, you know, different cultures have different types of shamans. And so they're very different across different cu cultures, you know, an African right. shaman is very different than a South American shaman, which is very different than a Native American. American shaman, but yet all of these uh, people do have the common thread of healing, you know, their people or that tribe, you know, right. and and bringing a form of spiritual enlightenment or spiritual medicine and physical medicine to the people. So I want to hear a little bit about who you are and then understanding your concept of shamanism or being a shaman. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will say that I wouldn't have stepped onto this path unless I was pushed into it. And, okay. um, you know, there are shamanic initiations that show up in people's lives that are called to this path. And many healers or psychics or people who are um, stepping into a vocation similar to this um, have had experiences in their own life where perhaps they needed to look into uh, alternate forms of healing. And for me, I developed a chronic illness when I was 17 years old, mm -hmm. uh, chronic pain and fatigue that spread throughout my body. And I spent the next years of my life visiting different specialists and 
taking all sorts of medications to really numb those symptoms. Mm -hmm. As I went through that circuit of Western medicine, it seemed that the best option for me was maybe just to mitigate my symptoms, to have slightly less pain through pharmaceuticals. And there was this feeling with the doctors that I was seeing that healing wasn't on the table. Yeah. Healing wasn't an option. Um, in the midst of that experience, I wasn't really a spiritual person. I wasn't raised with much of a spiritual background. But one night I was laying in bed and I was gazing up at the ceiling fan and I was saying a prayer before bed because this experience of my health going down the drain of my whole life starting to fall apart, it forces you to look into something beyond yourself. It's, yeah. It forces you to find something to believe in. And so I was saying a prayer. I uh, saw an entity. I saw a being uh, above my bed. And it was pretty frightening. It was like a dark cloud, like a vortex, like a tornado opening in my room. Um, I panicked and turned on the lights and it's a long story and it was a very intense period of my life. Basically for the next few weeks my electronics were turning off and on in the middle of the, the night. I would uh, be falling asleep and my TV would turn on and off. The things I was trying to use wouldn't work. Um, I started communicating with my ancestors who had deceased. I started seeing spirits, um, really opening up psychically and spiritually very quickly um, to a point where I didn't have any of the tools to deal with what was happening. Yeah. Um, ultimately, my family was worried about me through this experience and they took me to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist asked me if I would check myself into the psych ward and so I did. And because you don't know, it's like going from not having a spiritual basis or, or understanding you weren't that person, and then suddenly you're having a poltergeist-like experience, yeah. you know, and are you hallucinating it? Is it really happening? Nobody's right. believing you. Maybe there's something going on that you're mm -hmm. seeing things that aren't there, hearing things that aren't there, you know? Yeah, hearing things that other people aren't hearing. Yeah. <laughs> Not that, that aren't there, but I mean right. from that mindset, you know, of, of and, and then saying, okay, I'll check myself in. Yeah, um, there's a lot that I want to say to that. Now at this point in my journey, being able to tap into the spirit world and, and also then just drop into the physical and kind of be fully present here, I have learned tools from shamans of how to activate that using my rattle or my drum. Um, a opening sacred space so that I have a designated area when I'm holding space for someone else that I mm. open up psychically. But I'm not walking down the streets in L.A. Um, fully shaman mode. Yeah. Because well, it's yeah, I mean, too much. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> It'd be way too much. <laughs> 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 I'd be like sensory overload times 10. So, so you go and let's go backtrack for a minute. Yes. So you, you, you say, okay, fine, I'll check myself in. And so what's this yes. experience like for you? I mean, I will say that that evening when I saw the entity, that whole thing started, 
I started to feel this magic and this joy, like um, everything that I believed when I was a little kid. I started to remember mm. what little Rami thought and, and all of his imagination, his lucid dreams, his connection with the trees and the plants and the spirit and the music all around him. I started to reclaim that and remember that I always was a shaman, that this is really ingrained in me. Um, but during that experience, it was like heaven and hell at the same time because yeah. I was experiencing this connection with spirit and the plants. But in the evenings, I would also be seeing shadow figures climbing up my walls. And yeah. it was... <laughs> so after a few weeks of that, um, I was ready to go into the psych ward, and I did. And I mean, for someone who hasn't experienced it, it's... It was basically like, you know, being on a psychedelic drug every day, waking up. Like, there were days I woke up and I was sure that everyone around me was an extraterrestrial. Or a day that I woke up and I thought I was Jesus and I experienced <laughs> my last supper and I started crying because I didn't want to die because I thought it was the end of my life. But there was a point in the psych ward where I was meditating on a ping pong table and I knew that I was tapping into something real, that there was this real spirit that I was tapping into. I also knew that there was lots of projection and kind of psychosis happening at the same time. So I made a promise to myself that I would get back to that place because mm. I knew that it was starting to slip away a little bit and that it would take more work, that it would take dedication to this path so that I could stay connected and still be grounded in the physical. Yeah. And so I promised that I would do everything to get back to that place. When I got out of the psych ward, I went to see a psychic, an elder psychic in my community, and she told me, I'm, you're a healer, you're going to be very involved with shamanism, start looking into it. She said, you're gonna heal the masses, and I like had this recording played it to my family, they were just like, Okay. <laughs> You're like, see? Oh, here we I, go. I'm, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm not crazy. She said it. What? <laughs> this other person that talks to dead people said it to me, so I'm yes, good, you know? Yes. There's scientific proof right there. <laughs> um, now looking back on it, that was like 13 years ago, and uh, everything that she said pretty much came to be. The first time she said the word shaman to me, I had never heard the word um, but she showed me an image, and I was immediately like, hey, you know, that looks like a cool thing to be with. See, it feels right. Um, I went on this long journey of self-healing for the next four years, dedicating every day to learning everything I could about healing myself because I felt that this illness was coming to me so that I could learn how to heal my own body. Yes. And hopefully, in turn, help others to do the same. But I had to figure it out from the inside out and ultimately I had to do it for myself before doing it for anybody mm -hmm. else. Um, so I went on that path and eventually found some supplements um, through a doctor that I was working with to really support my body and my uh, mitochondria, my, you know, some enzymes that were really low in my body. A few years after taking the supplements I was still in a lot of pain so it wasn't doing everything for me. And then I started working with a medicine woman who was doing shamanic energy work with me. 
She had studied with Alberto Vialdo in the Four Winds Society. Okay. Um, and really gave me some tools to help run energy through these broken energy lines that were showing up in my body to heal on the, the mental and emotional level from the trauma that had helped to cause all this bo body pain. I started to really see the mind-body connection very clearly and how chronic pain can be so deeply linked with the subconscious mind. And um, eventually, through those processes, my pain disappeared. Um, I was released back into the wild. Uh, I was basically a hermit for five years and didn't really hang out with my friends much. So going back into social life as a 22-year-old, um, I had to learn a lot of things about what it meant to just yeah. <laughs> to just live in the world like this, and uh, especially from a new state of being and a new awareness, right? You know, yeah. so not only isolation for years and refiguring things out and and healing, but then there's also a whole different perspective, right? And so it's like you go to a you go and you live life and it's it's new again and it's not the same it can't be the same so and you're different right yeah absolutely yeah and and i was also surrounded by people who were in their early 20s and i was <laughs> i felt like a much different place than maybe most of the people around me in my yeah. vicinity um but that was also a beautiful thing i eventually went on to do my formal shamanic training with Alberto Vialdo in the Four Winds Society, and then with the uh, Quero in the High Andes of Peru, a beautiful lineage of wisdom keepers that preserved their medicine teachings for so long. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until around 1953 that people in Peru even knew that they existed. They were really just kind of a myth at that point, the, the last descendants of the Inca. So I journeyed to Peru and worked with them, sitting in ceremony. And these ceremonies are, they're all about gratitude. Hmm. When they pray, they're not asking for something. They're saying thank you. Yeah. Even if someone's in a lot of pain, someone's dying, has a disease, there's always this gratitude. And on my path, finding gratitude helped me shift trauma into power helped me shift my pain into a source of wisdom because there's always something on the other side of that mm -hmm. right you can view life as if it's happening to you or it's happening for, for you, you right yeah and important to to note is about that space of gratitude because a lot of the shamanic practices are coming in and saying thanks because they already see the results of what the thing that maybe they might be praying for yeah. to happen, right? You know, so if it's like, say something like it to rain, right? They're, they're saying thank you for the wet ground. Thank you for, you know, and visualizing already the crops grown, already right. the different things happening. And so it's in saying thank you from that space, knowing that it's already done. And like there's a magic and a power in trusting that it's already being mm -hmm. handled. Yeah, and the future isn't defined. So yeah. we have all these potential timelines in front of us. There is no permanent future. Um, 
And in order to align ourselves with that timeline that we really want, the, the one where it's raining and puts out all the forest fires, giving gratitude for what has yet to manifest, but giving gratitude in such a way that it has already manifested. There yeah. is no difference in the gratitude that you're feeling. You're feeling the gratitude of you, uh, you know. Yeah, you're feeling yourself walking through the, the, the mud or you're seeing the crops grown. You're, you're tasting the corn that has already been harvested. You're, you're there, you're feeling, you're knowing, you're experiencing. Yes. Yeah, and for me when I was sick, I would sometimes have dreams or sit in visualizations, but I remember a dream I had where I was just running and almost like I was floating and I was just running down the street and my body felt so light and there was no pain and something that I physically couldn't do at that time, but I felt that gratitude and I sat with that gratitude every day to start to mm. trace that pathway so that it would pull me forward. I would lay in bed and have conversations with myself 10 years from, from now. I would try to, you know, imagine him laying in bed. And by having these communions with my future self, I felt comforted in the moment. And I've had moments where lately I've looked back at him and given him love from the present. Because the shamanic idea of time mm -hmm. is not linear. That yeah we have healing available to us at any moment. And even though we may not have physically had that healer present, um, we can go back there with some of these tools and bring healing to the past. Yeah. It's almost like, because it's existing now anyways, or it's all, all one. It's all a big ball of <laughs> time. <laughs> it's like the ribbons of time, if anybody hasn't seen them, but they, they, they literally fold on to each other, right? And so the spiral of this ribbon of time folds on to itself. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of proof to, to that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting. Um, so, okay, so you healed yourself. You dove down after having these realizations and, and experiences of, of seeing everything that you've seen. Mm -hmm. uh, you said, I need to learn more, you know, and, and working with a shaman, then you, you learn from their teacher. And then you said, okay, even more, I want to go down to Peru and I want to learn, right? And so with your training in, in all of this, what were some of the things that you were experiencing and transforming in your own life, right? And what kind of, uh, kind of medicine or rituals were you going through to get those types of insights or shifts or healings for yourself too? Hmm. That's a lot. It's like six questions. Well, you know, because they, they wrap onto each other, right? Well, it's, it's again, the question is like a ball and I'll start uh, working on the Rubik's cube. Okay. Uh, so the, I mean, I will say, obviously, the first thing that I wanted to heal was my body. Yeah. And through going through those processes, I was able to do that. I still have pain every once in a while. I still take some supplements, but um, I'm a human being and I have a human body. So that's just something that I've incarnated with and we all have. So I feel at a great place with my body and I, I don't really have any issues with that anymore. And that was a combination of the shamanic healing and the, 
the supplementation giving my body what it really needed. Yeah. Um, you know, being pushed onto the shamanic path, being told that you're a shaman, is not the most convenient thing in the world. Um, in in some ways, right? This is the oldest vocation on the on the earth, or one of them. Shamanism is found throughout every traditional culture on the planet. They may not be called shamans, but this spiritual practice, it's in all of our lineages and it's a part of all of our history if you go far enough back. Um, but it's 2020 and when I started stepping into this world as a young man, um, there wasn't a clear pathway laid out for me. Mm -hmm. So I struggled with that for years. Um, at times I would really fight against it. And now I fully embraced it. And I see that also the planet's ready. Um, it's so interesting going down this path and seeing how many people who maybe at first thought it was weird are now coming to me and like <laughs> asking me for advice or what book should I read? It's like, it's happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, back to your question. I had to heal a lot about my own place in the world um, and feeling strong in that place, feeling safe enough to uh, go down this path and to be visible as a medicine man. And what did that exactly look like? Was this a lot of different type of energetic healing, plant medicine ceremonies? Mm. What, 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 what were those types of experiences that led you to have those healings? Yeah, so I, I went through the medicine wheel. I built a mesa. Um, to be a mesa carrier is um, to be a, a, a healer within that lineage. Mm -hmm. So there are, you know, kind of in the jungle, the shamans in the jungle work a lot with ayahuasca. Jungles in the mountains, or sorry, <laughs> sham <laughs> Jungles in the mountains. mountains. Well, you know, there's, you know. The title of my first book. <laughs> um, shamans in the mountains work more with San Pedro cactus, Huachuma. Um, I will say that in my traditional, in my formal training with that lineage and with the Four Winds, there was very little, if not zero, uh, plant medicine work. I was really learning how to do energy work um, and to have one foot in the physical and one foot in the spiritual. Um, learning methods for shifting my consciousness without plant medicine. I will say that I've used plant medicine and plant medicine ceremonies have been a nice tool for me mm -hmm. on my healing path, especially to shift a big piece quickly. But in my formal training, that wasn't really part of it. I mean, I had went through this experience where at literally every day for a few months felt like I was on ayahuasca. So it didn't feel like the most important thing for me to yeah. uh, go down that route just yet. Um, it's hard to put into words uh, all the things that I learned, but basically working with stones, working with uh, the spirit world calling in these sources of power, opening a sacred space to do my work, 
um, learning how to track where in the body people are holding uh, these energy blocks, uh, helping people clear any entity attachments that they may have in their field, um, helping people to heal ancestral wounds by uh, journeying through these different planes of reality, the lower world, which is the place of our subconscious, the place of our past, the middle world, which is where we all have our conscious waking life, mm-hmm. um, and then the upper world, which is the place of our ancestors, the heavens, it's where you find your original destiny. Um, learning how to do soul retrieval work. So when we have traumatic events in our lives, sometimes a piece of our life force energy splits off, yeah. uh, like a piece of our soul fragments. It doesn't disappear, but we're no longer sourcing from that piece of wisdom. So you may look back on your life and feel like you were never the same after something happened. Mm-hmm. After this certain point in your life, you were never the same. Or you have this awareness that there's a certain emptiness maybe that you've tried to fill with food or drugs uh, or certain behaviors. Or just that emptiness that is never full, that hungry ghost. Yeah. Um, so through these ancient shamanic practices, you start to realize that you have the tools, that these are real pieces of you that can be reclaimed. Um, and so through soul retrieval, we're able to journey into the underworld and find any lost soul parts that are ready to return home. Um, and that's a step-by-step process. Oftentimes when you've had soul loss, other things may show up in your energy field. So. Mm-hmm. It's important to pull the weeds from the garden before we bring that beautiful flower back in. Um, These soul parts have left for a reason. So it's important for you to hold space for this little boy or little girl that's been scared and is ready to return home. But they may have certain ultimatums for you. They may have certain things that they'd like you to do in order for them to feel at home again. So it's a collaboration and that's a, a through line with this work is that you're collaborating with spirit. Yeah. When, when I call, spirit shows up. But also, when spirit calls, I must show up. And that is mm. the shaman's agreement. It is, and, you know, sitting in a plant medicine ceremony, it's not just about asking the plant, what are you going to give to me? But what am I giving to spirit? Yeah. So two-way street on everything. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, sometimes people have these big, you know, it sounds like there were so many different things that continued to add little piece by piece, you know. But uh, I've seen things where it's, you know, a certain energy healing that transforms somebody's life and they have some kind of visualization or experience where they shift or like some mulching or or different part integration that's being done with, you know, and that, or, you know, so I just wondered if there were certain ones that were pieces of this that were like these big shifting blocks for you. But it sounds like there was like, it was kind of like this whole aspect that each thing just continued to, kind of uh, heal a little bit more, learn a little bit more, grow a little bit more, right? You know? Yeah, still happening today. Never, Always. Never ending. Never ending. And, okay, so how long were you in Peru for? Uh, I was only in Peru for a month um, in the high Andes, and we journeyed to 
these ancient Incan sites with the Quero, and we would make a lot of despacho ceremonies. So, And you're going to be doing a despacho ceremony here. So I, if a lot of people, even if they've heard of uh, shamans and things like that, they might not have heard of a despacho ceremony. Mm -hmm. So do you want to explain a little bit about what that is yeah. for people? The despacho ceremony really holds a lot of that, that medicine from this lineage. Um, and what that medicine is, again, is that deep gratitude for every aspect of your life. The, the despacho is a prayer bundle. Um, it's a mandala. Not too uh, dissimilar from a sand painting that the Tibetans may make. And you may find that like many of these mountain mystic traditions have similar practices. So there's a connection there. Um, the despacho is, you create it using flowers and leaves, chocolate, candies, um, little wax figurines, uh, a little bit of money. Um, and every piece of the despacho is intentional. So it's calling in these different organizing principles of the universe and offering gratitude to Mother Earth. And for mm -hmm. instance, Mother Earth loves chocolate. So we always use a lot of chocolate in a despacho. There are a few hundred different kinds of despachos. Um, but ultimately, you know, there are some for bringing Aini, bringing balance, uh, some for physical healing, some for abundance. Um, the way that I do despachos is I am informed by the group. Um, and each despacho is different. So it's it's really about what the collective needs. Mm. It's a chance for us to offer blessings, not just for ourselves, but for our families, for the people who may not be physically present in the class or in that group. Um, and you, everybody is bringing their lineage with them to this ceremony. So they're bringing their medicine, but also any wounds that need healing, any ancestors that need to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, the despacho grows and the energy grows before anything's placed in the despacho, it's, it's blown into. So everybody has a chance to offer their prayers, to blow in their prayers into a kintu, which is a three-leaf bundle with a few flowers. Um, and in Peru, when I was journeying there, and when I've worked with the Caro here in the States as well, they're always making despachos. And it, you know, it reactivates old ancient sites. It's a way of offering gratitude to spirit. And it is that same thing of offering gratitude for what is yet, yet manifested. Offering mm -hmm. gratitude for the pain that you've experienced and, and through that gratitude, starting to create this alchemy and seeing all the beauty that's on the other side of that, all the, yeah. the power, um, and offering gratitude for the abundance that maybe you're not seeing in your bank account yet, but helping you develop that trust with spirit. And ultimately, so much magic can start cascading in our lives when we come into a place of surrender, when we come back into the garden where we've always been held. And for me on my healing path, 
I tried to do so many things externally to heal, but ultimately the final piece that really shifted everything in my body was surrender. Coming back to that place where I am, you know, it's like that feeling of someone holding you as you float down a river. That's ultimately the support that's always available to us from the universe and from the earth. Mm-hmm. But it's up to us to get to the place where we're ready to accept that help. So the despacho is a very sweet ceremony. And after sitting in it for an hour or two as we work through it and that energy grows, you start to carry it with you. The despacho is then wrapped up and either burned in a fire ceremony or placed within the earth mm-hmm. for slower eating. Um, it's it's a food, it's an offering to spirit. And when you burn it in the fire ceremony, everybody faces their backs to the fire because Pachamama doesn't like to be watched while she eats. Mm. And it would be weird if you were in the middle of a circle and everyone was watching you eat while they're not eating. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so in essence, it's a, it's a prayer and gratitude ritual. Yeah. That, that it's done for so many different energies or intentions, right? Absolutely. And he said over a hundred of them that exist yeah. that, you know, really allowing and creating this group intention and this group, you know, kind of sense of gratitude and appreciation so that on that you're, you're saying thanks and, 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 and giving to Mother Earth, yeah. you know, and in return, you know, having that energy shift. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's something magical happens when you bring that many people together because being a shaman for me isn't, it's not about being holier than thou or having something unattainable. It's about really holding up the mirror for everybody that I work with and, and realizing that we all have so much medicine to share. So the despacho is a beautiful way for us to all bring our medicine and our healing ability because we are so much more powerful together than we are alone. And that's the direction we're heading on the planet and we all need each other. It's really amazing to see how quickly things can shift when you have that many people with a strong intention. Yeah. Groups and intentions, two minds are better than one, and a group mind is way better than two. So, I mean, keep on multiplying it out, right? Ah. And so do you do a lot of despacho ceremonies? Yeah. Um, Throughout the city and things like that? Yeah, I, I do them on my own. I do them if someone's getting married. I, I do a despacho ceremony. Someone's being born. Someone's dying. Um, all the life changes. And all the, the life changes, yeah. Yeah, and then I like for the the different forms and the different intentions. And so do you do a lot of like individual work or group work or mm-hmm. kind of a combination of both when you, when you do yeah. your work? Yeah, so about um, six years ago I stepped into doing this work full-time and mainly that was one-on-one. Mm-hmm. shamanic energy work and coaching. Um, but more recently in the past year or two, I've been really pushed by my guides to get out there and and showing me that, you know, my destiny is more for 
this group work and so many clients are coming to me looking for tools and for training and wanting to do this work themselves and ultimately that's why I'm here um, to bring as many people to their own power as possible and uh, it becomes so much easier when we work in groups the the age of the lone wolf at least for me is over um, mm. so now I'm transitioning into more ceremonies in a Wachuma ceremony a San Pedro cactus ceremony I did recently uh, spirit guides told me you are the master of ceremonies so I'm listening to that yeah. Ultimately, that's very true for people on the shamanic path. Ceremony is so important. And mm-hmm. it's something that is has fallen away from our society. As many people stop feeling comfortable in churches and mosques and uh, organized religion, it's just statistically true that, those, uh, that less people are showing up um, yeah, no, you see, like, churches are constantly, like, the buildings are being sold. I see them on, like, you know, constantly looking at commercial real estate and other things and, you know, up on the market for sale, for lease, this, that. You see it, you know, and that means that there's less people going because more and more are closing. Yeah, absolutely. But when we erase that from our culture and our society, then other things it, we start to realize the connection that that created also yeah. being broken mm-hmm. and that people are on their phones and have these false senses of connection with their social community. But ceremony is has always been an integral part of our society. And so I'm feeling very called to bring that back into the world and to make it safe for people who come from all sorts of backgrounds, who identify as all genders and races, um, ceremony knows no bounds. So there's a lot of opportunity to you know, make it fun and creative yeah. and lots of cool things can happen. And bringing the community and that sense of hope and connection not only and, uh, to their self and off, offline and off the connection to the social and all that, but connection to spirit, connection yeah. to something greater. That's one of the things that religious institutions have given people in society is like that feeling that there is more greater than their self and that belief system and that level of hope that, you know, as people are spreading away from that, that's one of the aspects too, you know, that is, that is kind of being harmed that people then start to seek. Start yeah. to seek because they feel that something's missing, and yeah. it's that higher spark, that divinity, that that sense of something bigger that they're missing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, you know we may all call that thing something different, and that's perfectly fine, you know. Yeah, but that doesn't mean we can't worship in the same place or. Yeah, or same. come together and have that community and yeah. disconnect from maybe the online world for a moment and connect to the realm of earth people connection you know yeah beautiful where can people find you um my website is shamanrami.com i'm active on instagram at shamanrami i like to post little ceremonies that i do in my stories um Mm. and so you can partake in those ceremonies just by watching the videos 
receive blessings and um, be a part of that community. I, I'm grateful for Instagram and for these tools, as long as we don't lean too strongly on them. Yeah, everything in moderation. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you, thank it's you been for a having pleasure. me. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, like it, subscribe, and share it with your friends. If you want some more amazing resources on your path of liberation, head over to liberateyourself.com and sign up for our mailing list. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Liberate Hollywood, all one word, or Liberate Emporium, all one word. Until next time, liberate yourself. So we have some of the most interesting, unique, and amazing meditations, I think, in the world. I mean, we have past life regression meditations, guided hypnosis meditations, Akashic Record meditations, as well as healing meditations. Our meditations are pretty cool. And they're not just about stillness of mind and peace and sit there, hmm. I mean, we have those too. Don't get me wrong, but these are about meditations that are going to shift and change and you're going to walk out of there feeling lighter, freer, healed, and even getting guidance and insight. So come down, experience one of our meditations. They're pretty badass.